When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yes, that is correct. The Los Angeles Lakers survive against the Charlotte Hornets. We will take the win. Uh, appreciate you guys tuning in. Lakers talk from 7 to 8 p.m. tonight, so a solid hour of Lakers conversation. We'll look at what we've seen so far, what's coming up this uh, week, Miami Heat coming up tomorrow. Talk about some top NBA stories, and uh, Jovan Buha will join the broadcast right around 7.30 or so. So thank you for uh, taking some time to join the show. Um, no game is guaranteed for the Los Angeles Lakers without LeBron James. Um, I'm sure many Laker fans at Staples Center last night were walk were happy to walk away with that win against Charlotte. But really, is what a what a kind of interesting time of the year for this Lakers franchise. Only 11 games in. Um, LeBron has already missed five of those 11 games, unfortunately. And that's just the position that the Lakers are in. We'll, we'll kind of wait and see when LeBron comes back. And when I say no game is guaranteed for the Lakers without LeBron James, so these are the five games that LBJ has missed so far. He missed that uh, two-game road trip, the Spurs-Oklahoma City. Lakers won the game against the San Antonio Spurs in overtime. He missed the second game, which was against the Oklahoma City. Lakers lost that game, so they're 1-1 one and one so far without uh, LeBron James. Then LeBron missed a second game against the Oklahoma City Thunder, so they're one and two. That was at Staples Center. Missed the game at the Portland Trailblazers on Saturday, one and three, and then yesterday Lakers win in overtime uh, against the Charlotte Hornets. So the reason why I bring this up, um, you know, and I, I don't think this is maybe we wouldn't have thought that even if LeBron James missed some time, that with Russell Westbrook and with Anthony Davis and with Carmelo Anthony, by the way, playing as good as any uh, uh, Laker player right now, and I'll get into that in just a little bit. Um, maybe we would we wouldn't have thought that these games would be this close, or that no game is guaranteed, and partially has that has to do with the competition. It's not like the Lakers went on a stretch and it was at Utah, at Phoenix, and then they had to play the Denver Nuggets, and then they had to travel up to the Bay Area to go up against the Golden State Warriors. It's it's not one of those. It's just think of the teams that I mentioned: Oklahoma City. San Antonio, Portland's a 500 team in the Western Conference. Charlotte now has lost five in a row after that game against the Lakers. Um, wins are not easy to come by. So I said this this morning when Travis and I were doing the show. I mentioned it last night in the postgame show. However you can get a win when LeBron James is not there, you kind of just got to take it because you're not guaranteed wins in any of these games. I'll, I'll use this as an example. So forget the two and three so far without LeBron James in these five games that he hasn't been there, two of those wins were overtime wins, San Antonio and the Charlotte Hornets. So it obviously has taken everything that you possibly have to get Ws. Um, and this is a schedule that the Lakers have coming up, and you know we still have no idea when LeBron James will come back from that uh, ab strain that he has. Um, Miami tomorrow. That might be, if they're not the best team in the NBA, they're on a very short list of teams that are incredibly competitive in the league that will be fighting at you know some point tooth and nail to uh, try to win it all this year. Um, okay, after that, you got the Minnesota Timberwolves coming up on uh, Friday. 
you know, it's funny. I, I say the Minnesota Timberwolves, and um, you would think, okay, well, it's the Minnesota Timberwolves. They, they were in a game last night against the Memphis Grizzlies uh, in overtime on the road, and, and Minnesota's not playing good basketball. They're 3-6. and six. They've lost five in a row, but without LeBron James, it's tough for me to give the Lakers the benefit of the doubt, so that's a game that you know could be a tough matchup. Sunday, they got the San Antonio Spurs. Monday, a week from today, against the Chicago Bulls. So I, I, I think this... Um, I think some of these games without LeBron, it's literally a flip, uh, a coin flip, or maybe a slight advantage to the Lakers. And uh, last night is a perfect example. You'll take it against the Charlotte Hornets. It wasn't pretty, um, but you needed everything to kind of go your way towards the end. Uh, what I'm referring to is overtime, and, and Lakers obviously uh, walked away with a win. Um, so th- this is how I want to start off tonight's show. Can Russell Westbrook change his game for the Lakers? Can he change his game for the Lakers? You know, sometimes there are certain players in the league that it's just part of the natural evolution of their game. Maybe age hit them a certain way and they have no choice but to change their game because they're not the same player they were when they were in their prime five years ago, seven years ago, whatever the case is. Sometimes sometimes guys have to change the way they play um, because the game has changed. You know, 10 years ago, the NBA, nobody was taking as many threes as they are today, so uh, you have to adapt to how the game is evolving. Um, another reason why you got to change your game is you get on a team or a franchise, and it's in the best interest of the team and you as an individual player to adjust your game a little bit to complement what that roster looks like. The Lakers are, you know, I just mentioned LeBron, uh, Lakers 2-3 and three without him this year so far, um, it's really, really difficult right now to assess the Lakers and who they are. It's difficult to assess them because LeBron hasn't been there, number one, for almost half of the games. After tomorrow will be half the games. And you're missing other pieces that you thought would be, you know, good players. I thought Kendrick Nunn was a good addition in the offseason. Tailhorn Tucker is supposed to take, you know, a step in the right direction, not just offensively, but defensively as well. And his role was going to increase um, and then, you know, keep going along the lines. Let's go to Trevor Reza. He'll have kind of his moments. Um, so assessing the Lakers so far this season has been really, really difficult. But I, I think I could give, I think I could, as best as I can, a judge, I could judge Russell Westbrook. So Westbrook so far this year, um, not even this year, let's just look at last night as an example. Last night, 17 points, 14 assists, 12 rebounds. Struggled from the field, 5 of 15 from the field, but played 41 minutes, 7 of 10 from the free throw line. Also had three steals and seven turnovers. There was a stretch in that game last night where I felt like Rajon Rondo changed the whole scope of the game. It was in that third quarter. Rondo only played 12 minutes. He was plus 20 in the plus minus. He was a true, true quarterback for the Lakers when they needed him. He was under control. He had everybody in motion, a couple beautiful lops to Anthony Davis. So there, there was really, really some great things that we saw from Rondo last night. And, you know, got me thinking. And, you know, as we look at Russell Westbrook, there's some positives, some negatives. Can, can Russell Westbrook slow down his game just a little bit to benefit him and to benefit the roster? I don't have an answer to it. But I think it's really, really necessary that Russell Westbrook um, – is more selective with everything that he does, more selective with his shot-taking, more selective with his drives, more selective with his passes. Um, you To be a point guard for the Lakers this year with this squad and these expectations and the microscope that's on the Lakers and specifically on Russell Westbrook, 
I think his game going 110 miles per hour at times it's an advantage. At other times it's a disadvantage. Um, at times you have to slow down. You have to drive the speed limit. And the reason why I brought Rondo up, Rondo is almost that quarterback in the NFL. Maybe he's a backup quarterback, but there was a point that he was a starting quarterback and he could in stints still drive the team. Uh, he's not going to lose you games, let's put it that way. He's going to slowly, he's also not going to give you 400 yards and four touchdowns, but he's going to move the ball down the field. He's not going to throw any interceptions. He's going to hand the ball off at the right time. He's going to hit those small little short routes to just keep the game going and flowing. With Russell Westbrook at times, it's too much. I don't know if swinging for the fences is the right way to put it, but the the car is just the pedal to the metal too often. And I don't have an answer of whether Russell Westbrook can change his game for the Lakers, but I think he has to. Um, has to be better with his shot selection. Has to be less careless with the basketball. Has to be smarter in certain situations and predicaments. And, you know, my hope is is that he gets more reps with the, with the Lakers and with this team. And, oh, by the way, when LeBron comes back, he's going to have the ball in his hands. He'll be the primary quarterback. Uh, Russ is going to have to kind of find ways to not just fit in with the Lakers, but find ways to thrive. And I think sometimes slowing down might be the best answer for Russell Westbrook. If you want to give your thoughts on that, if you think Russ can do that, um, you could hit me on Twitter, at Alan Sliwa. Um, I want to do a couple things when we come back. Monster stats, but do you feel the impact? I'll tell you what I'm referring to coming up next. Plus, we got our first chance to see LaMelo Ball last night, at least at Staples Center in front of a crowd, and it was a damn good joy. So we'll do that as well. Uh, Stay right here. Appreciate you guys tuning in. This is Lakers Talk on 710 ESPN. All right, I mention it all the time here, and I want to thank Stat Hero for being one of the official partners here of Lakers Talk. No one plays daily fantasy sports to lose. Winning feels way better, and with Stat Hero, you can. They're the first daily fantasy sports platform where it's you versus the house in head-to-head matchups, winner take all. And the crazy part, they show you their lineups before you play. I got the app right here in front of me. I'm playing every night now. You know, I was playing some of the football games, was playing some of the baseball games, but once the NBA starts, I'm an NBA guy. Uh, okay, hey, Steph Curry's going up. No, I don't want to play up against Steph Curry. He's dropping 50 and 10 in a game. Um, let me get John Morant. Let me get some of these other players in the NBA. And I know Laker fans are very knowledgeable when it comes to the NBA. That's what Stat Hero is. You can check the lineups before you play. Sign up for free right now at stathero.com slash 710ESPN and use the promo code 710ESPN for a 100% deposit match. Stathero.com slash 710ESPN, promo code 710ESPN, terms and conditions apply. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. All right, welcome back to uh, Lakers Talk. Appreciate you guys being a part of the show. Quick reminder, uh, Yovan Buha will join the show here uh, in about 10 minutes or so. Um, Okay, so I I was talking about monster stats, but do you feel the impact? And we spent a little time talking about Russell Westbrook. Um, I want to go over last night's game for a quick second because I think this will tell somewhat of a story. You know, Anthony Davis had some unbelievable stats yesterday. 32 points, uh, 12 rebounds, had five blocks and three steals. Uh, Russell Westbrook, 17 points, 
14 assists and 12 rebounds. So, you know, obviously a, a monster stat line from Russ, monster stat line from Anthony Davis. Russ did struggle from the field, also had seven turnovers, but had three steals as well. Um, is their presence powerful enough for the Lakers? And I think that's still to be determined. You know, you could have numbers that only will tell a partial story. You can have numbers that, um, you know, certainly look like they're just incredibly impactful in the stat line. But I think watching the game, it's going to tell a different story. And I thought last night both of those players had their moments, but then there was also times where a lot of the game would go on and you're like, "Ah, I don't know if I truly, truly feel these two. Do I feel their presence um, the way I feel uh, a LeBron James or some of these other players that we've seen in a Lakers jersey. This is a perfect example for you. Does it not? Does it not seem that Carmelo Anthony, every bucket he gets for the Lakers, you feel it? That every shot that Carmelo hits. See, it's not just about that steal or that block or that jumper or that uh, that dunk. It's when does it come in the game? How critical of a moment is it? Is it a momentum-changing play, or does it just come through the flow of the game? And I think so far, one of the things that, you know, it's kind of actually is more leading me to the Carmelo Anthony piece. One of the things so far that we've noticed this season, or at least I've noticed this season, that Carmelo Anthony has not just been unbelievable for the Lakers. Um, he had another 29 points last night, 7 to 10 from the three-point line, had 9 of 13 from the field, also at four or five free throws. Not only has he been so incredibly amazing in a lot of these wins that the Lakers have had really has been the difference of at least two or three wins so far. And I don't say that exaggerating. The Lakers only have six wins. Um, If he doesn't perform the way that he has, maybe the Lakers only have three wins. And and that's how big Carmelo Anthony has been. But it's also been Carmelo Anthony, the shots he hit at the shots he hit at the times he hits them. It could be a momentum shift. It could get Staples Center completely, uh, you know, certainly rocking. Or it could be a big-time moment where you're down two and now you're up one. Or you're up five and this puts the game away. You go up eight. And that's the one thing I've noticed so far with Carmelo Anthony is not only is he hitting big-time shots, he's hitting them at critical moments. And the AD and the Russell Westbrook part of this you know, I, I think there are times where you go a big part of the game where you don't feel their presence as much, or you look at the stat line and you would think that they had a bigger impact because of their stat line, and that has not always been the case. So I think that's a little bit of a combination, like I mentioned, of what Carmelo Anthony has done so far and how impactful it's been. And Russ and Anthony Davis, at times you look at the stat line and say, oh, my, they must have had a monster game. Last night is a perfect example but did you really feel their impact through those 48 minutes? And I don't think that's been the case so far for both of these players. So that's actually a question. I'm going to ask Yovan Buha when he comes up from The Athletic. I think that's a good topic for uh, for me to have with him. Um, okay, I also wanted to do this real quick. Uh, thoughts on LaMelo Ball last night. So I don't know if you guys get a chance to listen to Michael Thompson and I when we do the pregame show, and I genuinely enjoy doing it with Michael. Michael has... Such unbelievable knowledge about the game. He's played in, you know, whether he was playing in the 80s or watching earlier and getting to see some of the all-time greats or just an observer or broadcaster over the course of the last 20 years or so. Um, Pre-game, he was talking about LaMelo Ball, and he was using, comparing players like 
Magic Johnson as far as his passing ability. It's like, Michael, come on, slow down here. Magic Johnson, that's who you want to use as your comparison. And, you know, he stood pat on it. That's what he believed. And he thought, you know, LaMelo Ball is got such great potential as such a young player. And one of the topics that came up with him and I was, would you take John Morant or would you take LaMelo Ball if you're starting a franchise? Would you tra- take Trey Young or would you take LaMelo Ball if you're starting a franchise? Those are always you know fun conversations to have. Each one of these games, the storylines change, and I try to keep it fresh. And, okay, what's most topical? Of, of course, LaMelo Ball was the biggest topic like last night for the Charlotte Hornets. So we're having this conversation, and we kind of reserved our right to wait on the Ja Morant and LaMelo Ball conversation until we got to see LaMelo Ball up close and personal. We just saw third game of the season. We got a chance to see Ja Morant. And Lonzo or uh, LaMelo Ball goes out and puts up 25 points, 15 rebounds, 11 assists, 8 of 19 from the field, hit all six of his free throws, played 42 minutes. Without me trying to make comparisons, I'll take this player over that player or anything else. Damn, was I impressed. Um, what a what a fantastic, fantastic basketball player the Charlotte Hornets have. And, you know, we'll eventually see what happens with him and his career. And they've Charlotte's lost five games in a row, and they got a lot of a bunch of young players, and uh, they're trying to build whatever they're trying to build. But it was uh, it was an exciting game yesterday, exciting to get a chance to see a player like LaMelo Ball at Staples Center and to hear Michael just give such high praise to this dude. And then he comes out, and I would say over-delivers, not under-delivers, but over-delivers. Um, he was certainly worth the price of admission. I don't think there's a Laker fan out there yesterday that was uh, disappointed in that performance uh, on both sides of it. There was a point in the game where everybody's chanting, Melo, Melo. They're chanting Carmelo's name. Like, LaMelo or Carmelo? Uh, I didn't know which one they were going for. That's how That's how great LaMelo ball was. Um, young, fast teams, that's uh, certainly going to be a problem for the Lakers, uh, it seems like, this season. Maybe when they get THT back, they get Kendrick Nunn back, they get LeBron James back. Maybe there's ways, you know, things can change. But uh, the formula so far against the Lakers, if you're a young, fast, upcoming team in the NBA, you're going to present the Lakers a lot of problem and not that much different last night, but the Lakers did walk away with a win. Okay, coming up next, Jovan Buha, who covers uh, the Los Angeles Lakers for the Athletic. He's coming up next. Get a chance to – I'll ask him the same question. Do you think Russell Westbrook can change your, change your game? How about these stats – from Anthony Davis and Russell Westbrook, are you feeling the impact the way the stat the stat line is trying to tell you to? We'll do all that coming up next. This is Lakers Talk on 710 ESPN. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. All right, uh, welcome back to Lakers Talk. Lakers taking on the Miami Heat tomorrow night. Tough game tomorrow at Staples Center. This is part of a five-game stretch for the Lakers uh, all at Staples Center. And then reality will uh, will face the Lakers. Well, they'll actually have to play some road games. Want to welcome in Jovan Buha, covers the Lakers for the Athletic, taking some time to join the show. Uh, Jovan, thanks for uh, thanks for doing this, bud. And um, I'll, I'll start off kind of right out the gate here. Um, 
Lakers, 11 games in. They sit 6-5. and five. You know, yesterday, uh, overtime game against the Charlotte Hornets. Um, is it difficult to kind of see what this Lakers team is right now without all their pieces? I mean, h- how do you kind of view this team so far, knowing that they've had a lot of tough games? I mean, nothing's been perfect. Nothing's been easy to come by. And, of course, LeBron's missed five of their first 11. Yeah, I think it's it's really difficult to evaluate where this team is currently at because there there are I mean heading into the season we had Trevor Ariza and Wayne Ellington as arguably you know starting options for this group you had Taylor Horton Tucker and Kendrick Nunn as two key bench guys I mean arguably the two key bench guys before uh, we, we saw this throwback season that Kamala Anthony's having and then of course you have LeBron James who is the, the key to everything so to be missing five of your top 10 rotation guys for multiple games at this point. I mean, you know, Kendrick, Kalen, and uh, Trevor have missed every single game this year. So I mean, they've been up without three key guys every single game to say nothing of Dwight missing a couple games, uh, you know, AD battling a stomach injury, stomach illness, LeBron missing now, you know, half the game. So uh, it, it is difficult to evaluate, but at the same time, you know, the, the results are the results, right? So, you know, we, we kind of saw this last season where we kept kind of saying, hey, let's let's kind of see what this team looks like when they're finally healthy. And they never got fully healthy last season. And they kind of did at the end of the year. And then AD went down. So uh, health is never promised in this league. And I think they are kind of what their record says. They're, you know, a little bit above 500. Uh, they, they've probably dropped a couple games they should have won. But you could also make the case they've won a game or two that they maybe shouldn't have one, including last night, you know, that, that game could have gone either way down the stretch. So uh, I think they kind of are what their record indicates, which is a, a team that's slightly above 500, that they haven't played great basketball yet. But with LeBron eventually coming back with these guys, again, you know, Trevor, Kendrick, Kalen, uh coming back within the next few weeks, I, I do think that uh, better days are ahead for the Lakers. It's just kind of about surviving this upcoming stretch. And the next few games are going to be really tough. You got a Miami Heat uh, team coming in, heated after that Nikola Jokic uh, sure. incident with, with Marquise Morris. You got that five-game road trip coming up at the end of the month. So, uh, so some tough games uh, coming up. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's tough to get too much of a handle on this team. But I think there are some encouraging things that we've seen them build upon uh, in recent games. Are you surprised, by the way, in regards to I mentioned the LeBron's missed five of the first eleven games? There's no um, you know, we don't have any, it, it's not like there's, oh, it's, hey, it's guaranteed he's coming back by Friday or anything like that. And I know that usually doesn't happen, but you surprised how kind of quiet it's been on the LeBron front. Um, uh, do you, do, do you read more into that than we should, or this is just, uh, somebody who's obviously going to do everything he can to get back, but, um, the timetable doesn't feel like we have much of a timetable. Does that, uh, concern you at all? It, it, it does. I, I think, uh, you know, Frank, said it at shoot-around yesterday, and I felt it went under the radar a little bit. I tweeted it out, but he said that there was no update on LeBron and there's no timetable as of right now, and that's just something you can't love hearing, right? Like, uh, I think, you know, the Lakers record right now is, uh, uh, what, 2-3 and three without LeBron, I believe? 2-3, and 1-4, and 2-3. Lost I, the I two, two and three, against but... the Oklahoma City Thunder. Um Let's see what's beat the, the other beat one. Beat the Spurs, yeah. So beat two the and Spurs three. in overtime, yeah, so. and yep. Mm-hmm. Okay, so yeah, I mean, so that's not great. And, and going back 
the, the you know the past couple of years, I think their their win percentage is in the 30s uh, without LeBron. So like you need that guy back sooner than later. I mean, I guess theoretically with Russ and AD, you should be able to beat you know beat the Charlottes, beat the Minnesotas, uh, some of these games that are coming up. But uh, yeah, I mean, I would say that the fact that there hasn't been anything definitive of uh, you know, Frank did say yesterday that, that LeBron has been shooting and he was shooting for the game. So that, I guess, might be a positive indicator. But the fact that there hasn't been any, you know, he's day to day, he might be back by the end of the week. Uh, like, there's no timetable as of now. Uh, that is a little discouraging because if you think about how important the core is, uh, I mean, you need your core for everything in basketball. And we've seen, you know, core injuries linger for certain guys and, um, you know, there's a chance that LeBron only misses a couple more games, but uh, with some of the more serious core injuries, I mean, those could be multi-week things. So uh, I think the fact that there hasn't been much talk is a little discouraging, uh, but with LeBron, I mean, the, the guy's a superhuman, and we've seen him, uh, how many times have we seen him, you know, almost sprain his ankle, he just kind of bends over, ties his shoe a little bit tighter and gets back on the floor. Like, the, the guy is... Uh, you know, not normal. So I, I do expect it to probably be on the shorter end. But uh, again, the fact that we don't have a timetable yet uh, is a little discouraging for me. Yeah, Jovan, uh, I know you and I have played basketball, and anybody who's listening to the show has probably played pickleball. I, I turn an ankle. I'm out. Uh, I'm out nine to twelve months, <laughs> and it's just a mild sprain. Just, just being real here. Um, Jovan Bua taking some time to join Lakers Talk. Covers the Lakers. Does a fantastic job for the Athletic. Uh, Jovan, I, I was you know, having this conversation a little bit earlier in the show, um, and, and this has kind of been my theme here at least, and I'm, I'm trying to figure out if there's an answer to this. Do you think Russell Westbrook can adjust his game to the Lakers? Do you think he can – I think he could slow down a bit. You think that, you know, he can take, you know, a lot of times we talk about the strengths of Russell Westbrook is he's driving 110 miles per hour. Um, he's always given 110%. Uh, he's never quits on a play, never quits on a possession. And the more I've got a chance to see Russell Westbrook on a night in, night out basis now that he's playing for the Lakers, I think it would benefit him more at some points to pick his spots and say, okay, let's slow things down here a little bit. Let's be a little bit more of a traditional point guard. Um, do you think he has the capability of doing that? And I present that question to you because, uh, you know, so far I think there's ups and downs with Russ's game. I think it's exactly like maybe some people would thought you're going to have games where he does really well, other games where the stats look good, but the turnovers are high and you never feel like he has control of a game from that point guard uh, point guard position. Do you think he has it in his repertoire to be able to um, kind of slow things down for the benefit of the team and then his own personal success? I think he does. The issue is that he just never seems to do it consistently. And, and I think, you know, we, we've already seen that version of us at times this season. You know, I, I think there have been instances in first halves or, or even in fourth quarters where he has slowed it down he has made the smarter, higher percentage uh, decisions, but, you know, he'll do that for a possession and then he'll kind of follow it up with, uh, you know, some of the turnovers he had last night or the, the turnover that he had uh, in the OKC game where he just is going 100 miles an hour and, uh, you know, tries to kind of take a gather step and just the ball slips out of his hands and goes out of bounds. And, like, I think that's the, the gift and the curse of us, right? Like, he, he can do so many things that no other player can do because he is so athletic, because he approaches the game with such an intensity. 
that he can physically dominate you and, and just do things we've never really seen from the point guard position. At the same time, you know, the, the downside is, uh, you know, when, when you are playing that fast, that does increase the likelihood of you misreading a passing angle and you kind of firing off a pass that uh, maybe that guy isn't moving on the same, you know, the same speed as you and you're a half second too soon. And that either sails out of bounds or the, uh, you know, opposing team intercepts it. Uh, so I think, I guess I'm not, I'm, I'm kind of hedging here because I, I do think he's capable of doing it. The question is, is he capable of doing it consistently? Cause again, I think we have seen some very positive flashes from him. Some, you know, I, I go back to that Memphis game when he was setting those, uh, you know, ball screens for LeBron and, and acting as the role man. Like that is something I would love to see more of uh, for, from Russ and from the Lakers is, is you know, using him creatively off the ball, and we just haven't seen that consistently. So I do think he's capable of it. I just don't know if he's capable of doing it consistently and that being said i think we have seen the lakers kind of adopt to him or adopt to him rather in terms of pushing the pace in transition uh kind of you know playing uh scrambling and gambling defensively a bit and seeing that kind of play in their favor so uh i do think we have seen more adaptation from the lakers side uh more than russ's side but i think he's capable of it uh and that's kind of the frustrating thing is that you do see him make, you know, two, three good plays in a row. And then that fourth play, he kind of reverts to the old habits and does something questionable. So um, I think it, it, it's, it's a work in progress. It's something that's going to take weeks, if not months, to kind of figure out. Uh, but I would say I have seen some things recently that are encouraging. I just think for him it's a matter of doing it consistently and it not being a every other possession type of thing. Yeah, you know, I, I find it um, – I know the conversation is, well, Russ, the ideal situation for the Lakers is obviously LeBron is healthy and um, Russ can be more himself, but he doesn't have to necessarily be the quarterback on a every single possession. That's going to be LeBron James. We know that. But yesterday there are you know, moments of the game, and listen, you look at his stats, and his stats are unbelievable. And I'm talking about the, the points, rebounds, and assists – but there's so many other nuances that comes with Russell Westbrook and you know that that portion of the game uh, before Rondo got the flagrant two and, and and got kicked out of the game and I don't know how many minutes Rondo played I, I don't think it was more than it was ten eleven minutes maybe twelve minutes something like that he was plus twenty he had the Lakers flowing the offense was flowing AD was getting fed the ball the right way Rondo can't do that on a night in night out basis and I'm not saying that Westbrook has to be Rondo but there's sometimes you wish he was more of just that quarterback that kind of calms the waters. That hasn't been the case on a consistent basis so far, so we'll obviously see how things uh, progress through the season. Uh, Jovan Buha taking some time to join us here on uh, Lakers Talk, covers the Lakers for the Athletic. Um, what have you thought of? Uh, what do you thought of uh, your thoughts so far on Anthony Davis this season? Because you know, last night as an example, thirty-two points, twelve rebounds, five blocks, three steals, four assists, uh, shoots over fifty percent from the field. And I don't know why sometimes you have that type of a stat line and I walk away from the game saying to myself, did I really did you really feel Anthony Davis's presence the way his stat line is screaming for you to feel? Am I am I right to say that or do you agree that there are games you kind of walk away with where Anthony Davis the numbers might be there but you didn't feel his presence the way that you thought you would? 
Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I think in, in general, I've been impressed with AD, at least in comparison to last season. I think he is enjoying a bounce-back season. I think defensively is where I've really seen it, where just his ability to cover ground, to cover up mistakes that guys are making on the perimeter, to just protect the paint and, and be that force uh, you know, on the interior defensively, like that, that has uh, impressed me. And I, I think he's back to being that, all defense, defensive player of the year candidate uh, type guy that we, you know we knew him as in that first season in LA and going back to New Orleans. So I would say for, for me, I've been most impressed with him on the defensive end. The offensive end, I think that you know I think that's where I kind of agree more with you. Where I think even in some of these performances that he is putting up big numbers. It, it had, you know, it's felt like he's left some stuff on the table, and, and even last night, you know, with, with the 32, and obviously he threw up in between the third and fourth quarters, and that was something we didn't know until after the game. So, you know, how how you're kind of viewing it during the game versus after the game, once you, you have the full context of what he's going through, I think that you, you cut him some some slack, and I think you're a little bit more understanding with that. But, um, you know, I, I think that that to me is one of the biggest reasons, though, why the Lakers need to play AD more at the five. And I sound like a broken record. I feel like every time I'm, I'm on here, we end up talking about this. It's just because when AD is at the four, he ends up becoming more of a jump shooter. Hmm. And when AD's jump shot is falling, it's, it's a beautiful sight. It, it helps the Lakers offense, but it's not, you know, he's not Dirk Nowitzki, right? Like he, he's not, you know, shooting that high of a percentage enough to kind of warrant that on a nightly basis. And that's just kind of you know, one of the, you know, uh, consequences of going with a DeAndre Jordan or Dwight Howard is AD kind of has to space the floor more. And as we've seen, like when he's posting up, when he's isolating, you know, free throw line and, and below, he's just so dominant. And there's really no one that can stop him in the league. So I would like to see more of that versus him being more of a, you know, 18, 20 foot jump shooter, you know, three point jump shooter. Like and it really is kind of a cause and effect thing with him at the four versus him at the five. And you did see him play more at the five last night. They closed the game with him at the five, and I thought he got a lot better looks down the stretch than at some earlier parts in the game. So for me, it's it's kind of continuing that offensively of just how can we get him closer to the basket? How can we get him exploiting mismatches? And then we also see, you know, Charlotte goes to a zone against the Lakers, and all of a sudden. Carmelo is getting all these wide-open threes, and, and Malik Monk is cutting and, and getting open layups. Like Stuff like that trickles down from AD playing on the block and, and really dominating uh, an opposing defense. So that, that, that's where I kind of go back to is just him at the five. He's, he's better offensively. He's getting better shots, and, and I think there is a trickle-down effect with the rest of the guys where, where they benefit also. Well, I mean, I'll say this, Yovan. I think if you're an opposing defense, anytime AD's taking a jumper, it's a, it's a one possession, you know? And it's not that AD's an awful jump shooter, but you'd much rather have him taking a 20-footer. Sometimes, listen, I, I think it's falls on AD's shoulders. Let me use this as an example. And it falls on the coaching staff's shoulders. Um, last night, Lakers are going to have the final possession of the game. And Anthony Davis got the ball, isolation ball, and he's 22, 23 feet away from the basket. So I think there are times where it's a good observation that, hey, if DeAndre's in there or Dwight's in there, now you're going to force AD to be on the outside. 
But then I think there's also moments where AD doesn't take the initiative of saying, I'm going down to the block and I'm going to go do work. And um, I guess that's just going to be a balance that uh, not just Anthony Davis, but the coaching staff um, have to figure out ways to get him the ball down low. And I I certainly don't disagree with you on that one. Um, Final one I got for you. We got word yesterday that Talonhorn Tucker is now has the ability to have um, to be in contact practices um, I know we don't have a timetable exactly of when he'll come back. How big is THT when he returns to the Lakers for this Lakers team? Specifically, we've seen the Lake Show go up against a lot of young teams. Young teams. How big is that going to be? I think it's huge. Uh, again, like he, he was someone that I, I viewed as a key bench piece entering the season. Someone that could help run uh, the second unit offense and lineups with Westbrook and with LeBron. And I think, you know, we fall in love with the scoring and the playmaking of THT, but really for me, it's going to be the defense and what can he do defensively and, you know, potentially taking a guy like Malik Monk out of the rotation and replacing him with Taylor. Like you might lose some, some shooting. You might lose some just overall kind of scoring outbursts. Some of the stuff that we've seen from Malik, but I think you get a guy who's probably better at, you know, running, picking rolls and, and, and running the offense, and then defensively, a, a guy that's going to bring more to the table, and, and just with his size and his sturdy frame and, and his ability to defend multiple positions, like that is something this group is is missing. And you know, Frank talked about it last night that part of the reason why he hasn't gone smaller with AD at the five is because of the lack of size on the perimeter, and, and this group just not really having that with LeBron and Trevor Ariza out. But I do view Taylor as someone that could step in and maybe not play the four necessarily, even though he probably has the length to do that, but at least play the three and, uh, again, kind of allow those lineups with Melo at the four, uh, with LeBron or Ariza at the four in the future once those guys return. So he's just a a bigger wing that I think will will help this group on both ends. And, uh, again, everyone's going to talk about the offense and and sort of, you know, his ability to get into the paint and, and the footwork and his shooting and stuff. And I think that's all important. But for me, it's really the defense because, again, I, I think this team has enough offense, and, and they're still figuring each other out on that end. But you, you got LeBron, Russ, and AD. I think you're going to be fine offensively, even if you have some hiccups here and there. For, you know, with, with the way Melo shooting, Monk, Ellington, like I think this group's going to be fine on the offensive end. To me, it's really the defense, and can you find lineups with three plus, you know, good defenders with, with four plus good defenders? they haven't been able to do that so far. And I think Taylor's development on the defensive end is going to be crucial for this team uh, in second unit lineups, potentially in closing lineups, depending on the matchup. So uh, I look at him as as someone that has a lot of upside. He's one of the, you know, he's literally the youngest guy on the roster, but but just one of the few, you know, young guys that has some chance to improve on both ends. So, uh, I think, of course, he'll probably be rusty for, for the first couple of games. It's going to take him some time to, to get back into uh, looking like himself. But uh, once he is you know, back to being the tail end that we've seen the past couple of years, uh, I think that piece could be critical for them. And, and also, you know, I think something to keep in mind with him is uh, if the Lakers are going to make a move, and I'm not saying they are, uh, Talon is one of the few tradable assets that they have. You know, they don't, they don't have picks. They don't have many you know, contracts above the minimum. So if it is the trade deadline and the Lakers feel like they need to make a move, Talon probably is the guy that they would have to, to, to move. So I think it's not only a situation of like, how does he fit 
you know, offensively, defensively with, with LeBron, with Westbrook. It's also like, can we get something potentially back for him in the future, uh, you know, around the trade deadline, depending on how he's playing. So I think Taylor super important for this team. Uh, and for me, it's going to be the defensive end that I'm watching most. Yovan Buha covers the Lakers for The Athletic. You could follow him on Twitter at Yovan Buha, J-O-V-A-N-B-U-H-A, also the host of the Forum Club podcast. So, Yovan, thank you, brother. Appreciate the time. We will see you tomorrow, Lakers and the Miami Heat. Yes, sir. I appreciate you uh, sticking with me with this raspy voice, man, but uh, I'll see you tomorrow. Yes, sir. We'll see you then. All right, that's uh, Yovan Buha right there. I know what he's talking about. Fantastic voice. The guy delivered for uh, solid uh, solid Laker content right there. Um, okay, let, let's do this when we come back. I, I do want to get into the game against the Miami Heat. Uh, could be the best team in the NBA, by the way. Uh, can the Warriors sustain what they've done so far? And then we'll you know, obviously continue to preview this Lakers uh, Heat game. So we'll do all that coming up next. Uh, stay right here. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash network. This is Lakers Talk on 710 ESPN. All right, uh, thank you again to Yovan Buha taking some time to uh, join Lakers Talk. So a um, couple things that he hit into, I mean, I, I think this is going to be the interesting part. Not actually the tail and horn Tucker piece that he mentioned about just him being such an asset and maybe things aren't going right for the Lakers. That's really the only, only asset that they have that actually has a contract behind him. Um, if things by the trade deadline are not going their way, and we know Lakers are all in, so we'll see what happens. It'd be nice to just get THT back on the basketball floor, uh, certainly uh, this upcoming for uh, the rest of the way for the Lakers, and we'll see how soon that uh, that comes to fruition. So tomorrow, Lakers taking on the Miami Heat. Um, probably, I, I okay, uh, let me kind of preface this. I really, really like the Miami Heat's roster. I really do, genuinely. I think they are a fantastic team. They got the second best record right now in the Eastern Conference. They're seven and three. Chicago seven and three. Sixers are eight and three. So it just kind of gives you a little idea. I know there's probably some games going on as we're speaking, um, but they they are a fantastic team. Um, that's an incredibly tough game tomorrow uh, against the Miami Heat. It just is, and there's no other way to put it. Uh, they have a perfect combination of talent. Um, players that know their role, shooters, grit, toughness, um, and you know, I, I know I, I everybody obviously had has had a chance today to talk about the situation yesterday with Jokic, Markeith Morris, um, that whole situation last night. 
Um, how much was is that going to have you know play a little bit of influence in coming into this game tomorrow? In the sense that they just have a chip on their shoulder. And oh, by the way, they did lose to the Los Angeles Lakers back in 2020 in the NBA Finals in the Orlando bubble. So I think that's also going to have its own motivation. Um, so I expect tomorrow to be an incredibly tough game for the Lakers. And as we look towards the rest of the week, the schedule-wise, you have Minnesota coming up on Friday, San Antonio Spurs on Sunday, Chicago Bulls the next day, a week from today on Monday night, uh, or a week from yesterday on Monday night. Um, the Chicago Bulls, that'll be the Alonzo Ball. Alex Caruso will come back. So certainly we'll uh, um, have some tough games here for the Lakers coming up, but all these games are at home, so the hope is that the Lakers can, you know, take care of business. If you said, "Hey, I'll give me your prediction for the next four games, these final four games," I would say you beat, you lose to Miami, you beat Minnesota, you beat San Antonio, you lose to the Chicago Bulls. Just not ready to give the Lakers the benefit of the doubt. Without LeBron James, they are a 500 team. It's kind of a flip of a coin, maybe a little bit of an advantage. When you look at the Minnesotas, the Spurs of the world, but then you don't give them the advantage if they're playing Miami or Chicago or teams that got off to a better start. And that's just based off of who the Lakers have played so far and and what they've shown. Speaking of the Chicago Bulls, there was an article I was reading a little bit earlier. Um, These were NBA executives around uh, the NBA. Eric Pincus put out the story on the Bleacher Report. Um, an Eastern Conference executive said, I don't understand why Kurt Rambis, of all people, let Caruso go. Rambis was the Caruso of the Showtime Lakers, a Western Conference executive. Caruso may not be super talented offensively with a basketball, but he has a high IQ for all the little things and is obviously a stud defender. Uh, another Eastern Conference. The Lakers boffed that one. Um, let's see what else says. I'm not sure what they were thinking. So, I only bring that up because they are going to play them in a week, and Eric Pincus did put out the story on Bleacher Report not too long ago. I think within the last couple of days, uh, Lake friends, not going to lie. Oh, I oh, I think about my Alex Caruso. I definitely think about Caruso a lot, watching that Chicago Bulls team have success, and then seeing how inconsistent these Lakers guards are. Um, you know, the hope is things will change down the road, but the reality is um, they don't really have a player right now who's screaming for all those minutes. Now, THT is going to be the hope when Talon Horn Tucker comes back that he's going to be the guy that will start taking those minutes, and then hopefully Kendrick Nunn is the same way as well. Maybe Wayne Ellington can get into a groove. Maybe Malik Monk can get into a groove. Uh, and Austin Reeves has certainly been a guy that has rolled up his sleeves and proved and showed that he deserves some playing time. So with all that being said, um, certainly some interesting matchups because I won't do Lakers talk for another week today, so I've already played the Chicago Bulls, so I bring that up now. Um, that comes to the conclusion of the show. Greatly appreciate you guys being a part of it. If you missed the hour, go to Lakers Talk with Alan Sliwa on the ESPN app or on iTunes. You can catch the full hour. I'm back tomorrow morning with Travis uh, Rogers. We'll do our show from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m., so a full three-hour show. We'll continue to preview the Lakers and the Miami Heat. And then, of course, tomorrow... Tip-off is at 7 o'clock, a little bit earlier. Pre-game show starts at 5.30 with myself and Michael Thompson. Thank you, uh, everybody, for being a part of the show. This is Lakers Talk on 710 ESPN. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today.